respect. Do you know who this is? No, who is this is? Kirk, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, Eric. How about you? Hanging in there. <clears throat> we also have Casey Peak on this episode or installment. Hey guys, how you doing? I'm I am hanging in there as well. Yes. C good to have you on here, Casey. Thanks for having me. It's good to be back, Kirk. It's been a couple months. It is. I've been uh, ranting and raving in my own mind. It's sometimes you need this outlet. It's cathartic for you, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I love to get myself in trouble. You're good at it. Yeah, I suppose talking at the world is a lot better than screaming at yourself in your own head, right? <laughs> <laughs> some may differ, some may agree. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is Liberty Southwest podcast number 59. Uh, we have Kirk Pettis, Casey Peak, Peak, I should say, myself, Eric Taylor. Um, kind of ran into Casey, what, three weeks or so ago? Was that the uh, Liberta Libertarian Party of Minnesota State Convention? Yep. Was that three weeks? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's about three weeks. Yep. It's an interesting little event. Yeah. I, I think it was a lot of fun this year. I think they actually improved some of the quality of a few things. Mm -hmm. um, the the video in part. That was good, pretty good. Yep. <clears throat> when did you did you get there in the morning or when when did you arrive? Uh yeah, I got there in the morning. Yeah, so do you yeah, take part in the, before the, the vote and all that stuff, executive committee votes and all that good stuff? Yeah, I did. I did take part in that. Yeah. That's kind of what drew me out there. I was, it was it was interesting. I wasn't the, – the dynamic of that I, I, I wasn't anticipating, but – It was a little strange. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it was a little stranger this year than it is it has been in years past. Yeah. There was definitely some uh personalities at play there. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <clears throat> yeah, we've had uh Nick Ludwig on the podcast a few times, haven't we, Kirk? Yes we have. Yeah, and he certainly made his voice voice known what his you know, which is fine. That's what that's what it's it's a uh, political event. And I haven't seen Nick in a long time. Yeah, so okay. Yeah, it's good talking to him. Good seeing him again. So. So, what town are you from, Casey? I'm over here in Crystal, Minnesota. That's what I yeah, thought. Yeah, pretty good town. Yeah. Making headway over there, I hear. 
I did, yeah. For uh, you know, the last four years, I was on the city council. I'm, I'm no longer on the city council, but yeah, hopefully, I I did a lot of good while I was on the city council. It's, my neighbors seem to think I did, so that's uh, that's the goal, I suppose. I won some uh, some pretty important battles, you know, trying to prevent some really silly things from happening. <laughs> Yeah, can you believe they actually had they actually had a conversation about um, if you leave your car running, so like you want to heat your car up in the winter time, and you put your keys in, you turn your car on, and your car's running, and you go back inside your house. They actually were having a conversation that they wanted to make it to where the police could go in your car, take your keys, lock your car up on you. And either put your keys somewhere randomly inside your car, like they didn't actually say where. They said they would have to find a proper place to put your car, to put your keys, or they would take them back to the police station. And you would have to go get your keys. (laughs) This was a conversation had in city council. Yes. Or or this was proposed legislation that was bantered behind, or this was during city council meeting? Uh, in, in a work session and it was proposed wow. by the police chief. <laughs> wow. <laughs> hey, that's wrong on so many levels. <laughs> it, the, the mentality of people these days is just unbelievable. It is, yeah. I, it is something. That's exactly it. I couldn't believe it. It's like, and he's well, the police a, chief. She, yeah. Stephanie <laughs> Revering. She's actually a great police chief. I disagree with some of her stances, but that's kind of that's kind of the point of being on the city council, right? The police chief's point, their job is really to keep everybody safe. So they're going to come at things from a completely different point of view. But on the political side of things, you're supposed to be protecting everybody's rights. So, you know, it was I, – I didn't chastise her. I don't think that she did a bad job for bringing that to our attention. It was fine for her to bring up the, you know, conversation, but it was kind of, it was still shocking that they were bringing up the conversation. And luckily, you know, the first thing I did was, oh my God, yeah, that's not going to fly. We're not doing that here. (laughs) So luckily I was there to make that argument because I think the previous council before that point, before I came on, I think they would have just blanket did it. Been like, yeah, rubber stamp. Here you go. Wow. Man, I'm having flashbacks here. I swear I read an article a couple of years ago about, about uh, the good uh, libertarian aspects of Crystal. And uh, you must have been instrumental in that then. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely re- recall reading some article about Crystal in that regards, but I can't place what it was about anymore. But yeah, you're well, close. That's cool. You're, you're dead on. There's Kurt. been a few really good ones. Yeah. I'm sorry. Did you say something? Don't mind me. Yeah, I was just saying. <laughs> I was just saying that 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 Kirk was, you know, is dead on. Because Casey, you and I were talking about, you know, how really, I mean, you could argue that at a local level, they had probably some of the most success, you know, as far as getting libertarian-minded candidates in in place, right? I mean, there, it's you'd be pretty hard pressed. To, to find a, um, just more people have actually been elected to a city council than Crystal, I think. 
that's that's you know that's basically what I've read and what I've seen. Is that is that accurate or no? Yeah, absolutely. We were able to well requires a little bit of a story, but yeah, we were basically yeah. able to turn over several different seats that that are libertarian or liberty minded candidates that are on there. Yeah, Crystal basically just uh, I'll try to make the the story short because it's actually a pretty long one. So I'm going right. to make it real short. So basically, before I got on the Crystal City Council, we had this, um, I'm not going to name names, but we had a hellion on the, <laughs> on the city council, and she was, she was the acting mayor at the time. And she, um, under, under her leadership, we actually actively had citizens shouted down for speaking their opinion at a, at a city council meeting. And we regularly had uh, people getting harassed for making their opinion known. And I don't think it was um, – I think maybe the perception, maybe it may have been a little bit overblown on the, uh, the harassment side of it. But I can tell you absolutely for sure that the person I'm talking about, you know, which if you want to know her name, you can look at the record. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, she essentially – um, was name calling, uh, yelling at yelling at citizens, um, telling them why their opinion doesn't matter. Um, you know, she regularly goes on there and just says things that are just completely untrue. She makes up stories. Uh, she even does that to this day. Mm. Uh, she just regularly writes writes to like you know uh, our local Sun Post paper. It just says things that are just like blanket untrue and just makes them up out of out of her left side of her neck. And it's like, where do you get these things from? So it was kind of crazy. And then I got in there and it was it was a pretty hostile environment. Um, you know, the uh, the current mayor, Jim Adams, and I both ran at the same time and we got to know each other. And and, and he's a really nice guy. He's actually he's a really good guy. He's um, he's definitely what I would consider to be conservative, but he's very liberty minded. He um, he leans towards uh, Republican. But with that being said, the argument of liberty does not fall on deaf ears. You can make a libertarian argument to him and he'll understand it. He may disagree with you, but he'll understand it and he'll listen to it. And he'll tell you why he disagrees with you. It's not like, you know, where, oh, yeah, those libertarians are crazy. Just shut up now. <laughs> you know. Mm. So it was pretty awesome. We were able to make a big difference. Very nice. Uh, what uh, did you run again this time or did you just decide to be done or what was your thought process or action? Yeah, it was kind of a crazy year for me last year. I've, I'm, um, you know, I had some things happen in the job market that definitely left me um, a little unstable. So when that that all happened, I did try to run for city council again, thinking that it would be fine, that I would have the time to be able to do it. But right around that time, my 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 father got sick. Um, you know, several different things happened. He ended up passing away a little later that year, and. Uh, yeah, so it was it was kind of crazy. I didn't get to, I really didn't get to put in as much effort as maybe I would have liked to, but I did put in quite a bit of effort. I put in a lot. Um, but at the last minute, uh, the local uh, Democratic candidate that wasn't 
you know, the Democrat wasn't actually part of the Crystal City race on a larger scale, uh, ended up ended up putting out his flyers and then putting at the bottom of it, oh, and by the way, vote for John Budachevsky for local Crystal City Council. And uh, I think that's what really put him over the edge because we were pretty close in votes. Um, you know, but having that having that mailer go out there at the last minute that was uh, put out by a a quite popular uh, Democrat in a different seat. That's I think what did it. It kind of yeah. peeved me too a bit because you know the reason why I think I I got a little peeved about it is here in Crystal we actually like the fact that it's nonpartisan politics. We don't actually want partisan politics here in Crystal as citizens. So having somebody who's part of partisan politics take the partisan point of view in order to push through a candidate who happened to be a Democrat, that it just seems to me is stomping on our local traditions here in Crystal. Yeah, that's what, I don't know if you know, but I ran, what's that? I think that was four years ago, or is that six years ago now? 2012. You were, yep. You and Matt. Yeah, so a little over four years ago. And that's how we kind of got pigeoned into uh, being on the Republican ticket. And that's – so I, I get to see how, you know, it was the same thing. It is non-political here too. and But yet we were encouraged to take that route of the political way. And it was what – it is what it is. And uh, – but, yeah, it was – but my viewpoints have changed dramatically since then. Is you know that that time in your life where you decide, all right, I gotta be active. I want to get out there and just go do it, you know. And then, uh, so it's it's pretty fascinating to hear your aspect of it too. And I like how you said that. It, you know, believe that the non-political because it really should stay out of the city council mess. Right. And, and what we saw back then, right, Kirk, there was a drive. The the guy. You probably could say there was one guy who was really pushing both you and Matt. You know, he wanted you to be endorsed. Republic, yeah, you know, got the, the endorsement party, from the... and you got the endorsement. And there's certainly quite a few people uh, that kind of were on the city council. The current mayor. Remember, we talked with the current mayor of Chanhassen, and he was, uh, you know, he's quite vocal where he he he, th he thought it should be a nonpartisan type of uh, situation because when you're on city council you really the voice you know the people in general it's, it's it shouldn't be as as partisan um and i think right. that's exactly yeah, and that's kind of what you're alluding to right casey and i think kirk retrospectively probably would have done it different differently oh yeah i was completely um, ignorant in the whole matter yeah totally fresh you, you had you had the guy who provided you with all the funding and connections you needed to kind of get close right but net yeah. net 2020 different story and to where if, it's if you know chen is supposed to be a huge you know conservative hotbed for minnesota so it was like oh you know this is the way to get in yada 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 but yeah it's but going through all that has really led me to where i am now and it's you know i'm very more at peace with how i am now and which would lead me into, because uh, I find myself way more on the anarchist side now, to where I don't really see the 
the good of government, I mean, or being active in, you know, through government, but I also think that the the most effective way would be on the local scene, which oh, goes absolutely. back to your point of um, <coughs> being more nonpartisan, you know, on the local scene would, would be a far better solution than partisan politics on a local level. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that statement. You know, I mean, if you think about it, most people, and it's only about 40% of the politics, you know, of the population that actually considers themselves to be partisan one way or the other. Everybody else falls in a spectrum. They don't really, they're, they're not really Republican or Democrat. So realistically, you're talking about the vast majority of a population and the population, it's all about, it's all about local things too. And really, I think that's where us libertarians and libertarian minded people, you know, I consider myself libertarian, small L, more philosophical libertarian, but I think that's where we actually can do the most good because a lot of people think that we're going to walk into government and we're just going to be like, oh yeah, the government shouldn't exist. We're just going to demolish the entire thing. But if we did that, it, all we would be doing is just shooting ourselves in the foot. I mean, <laughs> you go in there, there's already establishment that's there. There's already established way that they do things. You can't just change things overnight and wreck everybody's local homes and what the way that everything is handled there in a way that, you know, would so dramatically change everything overnight where suddenly the you know, the streets are being handled by every individual person or something like that, you know, since that's the argument that everybody always comes up with, what would happen with our roads, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's always uh, inter- interesting quagmire, but I, um, Well, what's the argument? We should all rule ourselves, right? I mean, that's the argument that everybody talks about. That's the that's sovereign so argument that, that Kirk, you've come up. You know, I mean, you've certainly thrown out there many times before, right? Should be just sovereign, right? I definitely believe in individual sovereignty. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're taking a look at that, I mean, this is this is my argument for getting involved in your local city council. If you're looking at that individual sovereignty i mean what are what are the cities even getting together for and you know creating their charters and their townships and whatnot well they're getting together in order to pay for pay for things that they really need to pay for they're signing into an agreement usually at the point of formation what happens in the future is a little bit different but at its formation they're all getting together to agree upon you know helping each other out with certain goods like fire police you know, roads, um, you know, basic, basic things like that, that you would want sewer, water, parks and parks. Yeah. Some people want to keep parkland. So they're, you know, that was, that's a big concern at crystal in particular, they want their parks and, you know, that's, that's the right place for us to be involved in, whether you're an anarchist or whether you're anything else, that's the right place for us to be involved in. Because these larger forms of government, all they're really doing is they're telling everybody else what to do. And at here, us little guys, right, we don't have anybody pushing back that, that line. I, I look at it like we're at war. I really do. I mean, we individuals and, and us that are liberty-minded, we really are. We're kind of at war. 
And what's happening right now is we have a federal government that is making war on us. The war is at our doorstep right now. And if you don't have a city council who's whittling the butt against the, against the over-encroaching government and that's willing to fight for your rights, that fight is going to stay at your doorstep. And that's not really the place we want to have that fight. We need to push it back a little bit. We need to create a line. We need to get a little bit of delineation. So I'm really into the constitutional sheriff's uh, movement. I'm really interested in... Um, you know, and, and the constitutional uh, police that are interested in, you know, like the Oath Keepers. I'm really yeah. interested in a lot of these different types of things that we can do to try and fight for our liberties in a way that can actually get everything off your doorstep so you can breathe a little bit easier. And then you don't have to worry about what your neighbor's political views are. You can just go and meet your neighbors, make nice with them, create a great community and then you guys will, you know, it, it'll come naturally. You guys will want to take care of each other because that's your neighbor. This is your family. This is your community. They're going to want to take care of you and you're going to want to take care of them. It just happens naturally. All right. Yeah, it's well put. I definitely believe in the voluntary action. And I, when, when I speak of... Uh, this is what I get, you know, upset about everyone that talks about anarchy these days on, you know, podcasts and radio and the distortion of it. But I also hear it from anarchists in general themselves that just want to overthrow government or, you know, abolish it. And I personally think that, no, I'm I'm fine living side by side. I I'm I don't believe people can handle anarchy for one. And the, or, you know, the vast majority of people, and, you know, I, I'm all for them to coalesce into cities and, or, you know, whatever form of government they want to create, but uh, have it forced upon your neighbor, you know, through AKA the federal government is what really is the instigator. And the majority of it, even though, you know, people always say the most corrupt areas are, you know, the local areas. Yet the federal government constantly wants more and more control, and they've abandoned the principles of uh, what you know America was founded on. So it's 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 always that battle for more and more authority and control, and you know that they're the grantor of our rights versus that we were born with our rights. And I like how you said that uh, that a city is that kind of like that pushback, a uh, little buffer zone between you and the, you know, in the state in a way and the federal government. But I really think what's missing today in the anarchist, you know, argument is that we can be anarchists and live in a um, completely communist system in a sense, you know, a total uh, top-down structure if, uh, if we are able to claim our rights from outside of what our government is if that makes any sense, but it's kind of my, my take on the things lately that where I believe in anarchy, anarchy, but it's personal anarchy. It's not a global governance of anarchy is, you know, if that makes any sense. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. To that, I actually have, I, I actually have some personal experience with it. You know, I, I, I grew up in LA and I don't know if I don't know how old you guys are, but, you know, I grew up in a time and place where the Rodney King riots were like I was able to see the smokestacks 
<laughs> down the road from where I was of where all the houses were being burned out. So I've experienced like serious anarchy, like real anarchy where like literally the government pulled out. They pulled out of that area. There was no government. And it went from little tiny flash riots happening here and there to full on utter chaos, people randomly burning each other out of their houses and uh, destroying a ton of personal property. I, I watched the guy on TV get bricked in the head. Like you can see his brain splattered all over the street. I mean, this is, this is like, this happened to me. I was, I, I, I think maybe what was I 14 at the time. And I'm just watching all of this happen. You can stand on top of the roof of where I was growing up and you can look and you can see the flames actually lighting up the sky as the evening, like were to, were to come on. It was just, it was crazy. The whole city was on fire and my my uncle, to this day, my uncle considers himself to be an anarchist. And but his idea of it is really interesting. His idea of it is probably one of the most interesting I've heard. What he says is, I don't care what the government does. They don't have any. They don't. They don't have any right to rule me because I don't let them. And that's exactly what his opinion is. He's like, just don't get caught. Do whatever you want to do. Just don't don't hurt anybody and don't get caught. <laughs> You know, that's definitely the the right mindset I, I take. But but there's that point of uh, when you are, you know, say, but I guarantee your uncle, what did he think about you running for city council? Oh, he was the, he was proud of me. He's not for him, but he thought it was totally fine. Yeah. He doesn't even he doesn't vote. He won't own property. He, he's like, dude, why would I own property? He said that he said the government really owns the property. I'm just paying them rent. Yeah, no. that's true, right? That's valid. Oh, yeah, I have, uh, I have family just like your uncle, it sounds like, as well. And that's where um, it's, it's always interesting to – yeah, I, I firmly believe that's the right mindset. And my uncle said the same thing to me. He's like, yeah, I – you know, I – Go do what you want to do. Yeah, run for city council, but I don't derive, you know, any value in that. And it, it was his, you know, kind of to where, yeah, the government is there, but it really, it's just ignore it. Why, why you don't allow that authority over you? Right. I, I'm yeah. guessing that that uh, Casey, your uncle, is actually kind of. Maybe he may even share that he's it's it's good to see one of his people make it into government and potentially you know push him back a little bit even though he wouldn't do something like that uh, I'm guessing he at least gave you some pretty positive feedback right oh absolutely yeah we talked about it and um you know he he just doesn't like for him. It just doesn't even matter. But he was he he was proud of me for being able to make those kind of arguments that I was able to make and be able to you know actually get on the city council and be able to you know actually have open discussions with uh, with all of the rest of the people there about some of the more critical issues. Like um, one of the things we talked about was because uh, this was four years ago, whenever I was first on there. One of the things we talked about was drones. Well, yeah. you know, yeah. in my opinion, uh, it's fine for it's it's totally fine for people to have them. I really don't care. 
I just don't want the government to have them. Absolutely. Because <laughs> you know, you know what they'll that, be right doing. Now, right? They'll be like, they'll yeah. be like, I'm 20 feet above your house and I'm looking in your window, <laughs> but I'm not violating anything because I'm 20 feet above your house. Yeah, I'm no. not in your airspace. Yeah. <laughs> and and no one else can do that because we need the airspace. Well, it's FAA, right? It's a drone space. You'll talk to Lydia's. Uh, if you talk to him about this, but he's he's big into drone technology and LIDAR, and um, that's kind of his business right now. And he, he does it for agricultural purposes, and and, and uh, it's so tightly restricted what you can what non governmental entities can do. Government agencies, the military, etc. They pretty much have carte blanche ability to put their drones wherever they want. But once you get into the private area so heavily restricted which i'm sure which i'm sure you ran into right casey that was probably came up in the course of those types of conversations right oh yeah and yeah. and uh you know uh, i i know it would seem really odd to make this uh, you know statement but i was actually saying that we should that that we should just uh make a rule no drones because uh, <laughs> in my opinion yeah That'll if fly. we were to no pun intended. here, here was the reason why I was making that argument. In my opinion, if we were to say, because we have an airport right nearby, if we were to be like, you know, we're one of the first cities, you know, if we have an airport that's like here in Crystal, we're going to be one of those cities that ends up with drones, and by the police force for the government. So if I were to say, yeah, we just don't want drones in our fly space, other than for personal use then um, then that restricts the government from being able to deploy the drones, if you see right. what I'm saying. Absolutely. That was really yeah. why it was arguing it. Yeah, yeah. But, and that's, that's where you can do that at the city, you know, at the local level, potentially. One thing I want to say, Danny, how you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm doing fine. I'm walking outside right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm walking, you know, I was, I was I thought you guys were already done, so I yeah. was like um, walking the lifetime, like almost there. So okay. I'm just like almost the lifetime. So good to <laughs> good to hear you all. Wait to join us for 30 seconds, Danny. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to have you on for however yeah. long you're going to be on, so you can add. Go get add on the your... bike machine and uh, <laughs> put it on mute. <laughs> <laughs> Glad to have you on, Casey. Glad to have you on. Yeah, thanks, Danny. Well, that's, uh, so, I don't know if you heard about a proposal in Rhode Island in the, the House, State House, that I just read today that uh, they're proposing, this kind of goes to what you're talking about, Casey, that they're proposing a ban on geoengineering geo, um, for chemtrails and all various, any forms of such activity kind of goes on the same par and and that's kind of uh i i was thinking about it as you know coming through from it as an anarchist i'm very anti chemtrails i i don't like the cloud seeding everything you know blocking out the sun whatever they're trying to do and it's very very detailed what this uh legislation is it's it's pretty uh it's pretty cool bit of legislation i will uh tr have to send you guys a link but uh throw yeah, in the chat Kirk. that sounds pretty cool it's, yeah, it's pretty, you know, it, it grants credence to the argument because it's always like, uh, a, you know, a conspiracy theory, people will say or everything. And it's, most, I most can see with say. my own eyes that yes. it's not a contrail. 
and that it's leaving a residual in the sky and seeding clouds. And, you know, I constantly study that. You know, I'm always looking at the sky just to pay attention to it. And you know no the one chemical... Or the, the what? I was going to say, do you know the chemical science of it? Like, uh, it's... Partly. There's, there's a lot of different factors, but a lot of it's aluminum and... Uh, Barium, what what do you know about it? I'm sure you know a lot. Silver. Silver. They actually use silver particulates. Really? Yeah, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, uh, nanoparticulates of silver, but that's actually one of the things they're talking about uh, that they use in some of the chemtrails. I mean, it's um, just some of the cloud seeding in general. They, they use uh, nanoparticulates of silver. Well, nanoparticulates of silver, what they're finding is that they actually, they can get into the soil and it's hard to get them out of the soil. And what happens is once they get into your soil, they have a natural antibiotic type of uh, property. Property. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. So basically like, cause if you get like colloidal silver, or, you know, different types of silvers, you know, sprays and stuff like that, that they put on mattresses and they put on, you know, they put it on blankets and different things like that in order to prevent any buildup of any type of bacteria, because it helps keep the bacteria down. Well, what it does inside the soil is it'll actually prevent seeds from germinating. Yeah. It's back. Soil is full of bacteria and you want bacteria in your soil. Right. Yeah, Very interesting, yeah. So it's a lot of uh, Monsanto-esque property there, too, I would say. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't be surprised. But, all right, so my point in bringing this up was, well, my thought process is, you know, I'm all for legislation that would ban chemtrails. But at the same time, I don't think it's the government's right to do that. Yeah. Because I come from the anarchist viewpoint. So that's... for bringing it to the public's attention last year a little bit there I Kirk, think by it's, the way. you know but for the anarchist in me so i, I have conflicted view is this just me or hearing kirk pop in and out yeah, i'm hearing him pop in and out too yeah, i thought it was just little, me, he might, oh, be, me too. he might be getting a little excited right now <laughs> 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 well well he's out um yeah, so the chemtrail point is good. So it sounds like, and it, it and it does help from the you know from the quote unquote small l libertarian side, to to have substantive background on that. So it sounds like you know you know a lot of times where you speak you, you can kind of sound a little conspiratorial, uh, but if you if you start to talk about you know nanoparticulates or silver particulates and how it can uh, you know how it's a true negative on the ecosystem right you can i don't know if you can do that at a city council level but you can you can certainly uh spread you know the concern of the message across and it sounds like from what i've gathered casey you've had some pretty good luck doing that and you you actually recruited and i and i was kind of interest, interested in in this as well you've recruited a couple of people i don't know if you, if you knew these people or if you went out and you actively, you know, sought out these individuals to kind of, you know, speak to some, of you know, to, to speak to Liberty principles on the, on the, on the uh, crystal city council, I was interested kind of in how, cause you have what, four, 
three or four liberty-minded individuals, you know, pre when you when you didn't win the the last election, to actually make some substantive change. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, we yeah, we right. had the we we had the majority there. We yeah. still do. We still have the majority, so yeah. we can definitely make some substantive change there. But yeah, I, I went after them. <laughs> I wasn't yeah. letting oh, them so you say recruited. no. I actually, yeah, I actually had to be really sneaky in how I did it too, because you know yeah. everybody's first reaction is, "Oh my God, I'd be in the limelight." So, yeah, I I, I was very careful about how I recruited them. <laughs> yeah, and I don't. You you may not want to be. You know, you may want to do a full disclosure on that. But I'm really interested in that. Is one of the things that piqued my interest. Kind of interested in that because in my heart of hearts. I would love to see that replicated. And I think I mentioned that too when we talked. I think that would be the coolest thing ever uh, if we could, if if we could, you know, uh, get more good liberty representation, you know, on you know various city councils and enact real local change. Um, and and you obviously have been studying it for a while, right? Kind of the philosophy in general, messaging. You have some, you know both kind of a predisposition, nature, nurture stuff going on. And you, and you went out and you actually recruited people and did something, yep. right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was kind of my goal. I I, I, I was recruited myself. Um, oh, were you? I, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I went in, uh, what was it, uh, 2012, I think, mm-hmm. for – no, maybe before that, but I went for basically to go to the Republican convention for Ron Paul at the time. So 2008 up, or 2012, the Republican convention. I what met everybody that? in the 2008, but in the 2012 is whenever they actually, I think, I think that's whenever they recruited me for this. So, so yeah, okay, we went that's to the state convention. Similar to my experience too, yeah, polit- politically similar. 2008 and then got going in 2012. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. So yeah, I, Jason, Jason Bradley and Andrew Richter, who, if you Google them, you'll find out community solutions. It's a group that they do. Um, okay. that's, that's actually one of the ways that I would recommend, uh, duplicating this. Mm-hmm. You come up with your own community solutions, your own little neighborhood, you know, watch group. And that's essentially sure. what community solutions is. They get together and it's basically it's set up for the community to talk about local issues, local politics, local issues. And that's all that they do. They don't they don't Podcast. go on and on about all of the stuff going on at the federal level. They don't no. worry about that at all. They worry no. about state stuff only if it affects you. No. County stuff when it affects you, because county stuff will often affect you and mainly your local city. And that's really what they're focused on. And it's it's quite brilliant. And I, I met them whenever I was at the state convention. And we got to talking and they were they were asking me about, you know, different things about philosophy and I had to get up to talk one point at the state convention and uh, you know, I, I basically let my opinion known about several different things. I don't we had remember a lot of you conversations at all. going. Speaking there, Danny, do you remember? Because Danny was there as well. Do you remember Casey? Maybe I mean, it was, there's a lot of stuff going on. But when, when did when did you speak at the state convention? Oh, I spoke about a couple of a couple of issues. One of the issues was um, 
you know, I, I don't know if he remembers, but there was this whole thing where, um, you know, everybody was asking for division and they completely ignored everybody asking for division, even though it was very clear that about 50 percent of the people oh, yeah. were like going, hey, division, we don't think Kirk you actually voted right there. Yeah. I hear yeah. Kirk laughing. It sounds like he's returned. Yeah, we were all there. <laughs> yeah. It was nuts. It was a, it was a crazy convention. It was just like, what the hell is going on here? But yeah, I mean, we did our job. We did a pretty good job. And uh, Andrew, um, I I met him uh, there as well. Jason, though he he was the one who kind of got me to do it. Oh really? Uh, we were okay. we were sitting around and we were talking, and he was like, "Hey, how would you? You know, I think you're a really smart guy. How would you like to actually to run locally?" And uh, a fellow fellow uh, liberty minded person who who was there, um, who kind of has been, you know, who kind of mentored Jason and Andrew for many many years, Candace Othout. Mm-hmm. Uh, she. She also was I like, yeah, yeah, we would really like you to run. I yeah. really think you should do it. And then came the really comical way that they got me to run. They were like, okay. oh, yeah, it's not going to require very much of your time. <laughs> right. uh, you just go. <laughs> you go. And yeah, it's, it's, you know, you're only putting in about four. You're only putting in about maybe four hours a month. <laughs> four or five hours a month yeah so i was totally 30 <laughs> right yeah so it was like yeah it, it was it was really funny so i fell for that hook line and sinker and i was like yeah. oh four or five hours a month that's really not that bad i said yeah. even if it was about 10 hours a month i could do that yeah, <sighs> yeah boy was i wrong <laughs> <laughs> Well, especially when you're an unknown and make your presence felt and you got to get that name recognition. How yeah. big, how, how big is the population in crystal? I think, uh, at its height, it was around 40,000 and right now it's around what? 32, 33. Is it at large or is it by kind of precinct type situation? We do, uh, at large for the mayor. Uh, the sections are two wards at a time. So wards one and two vote for section one. Wards three and four vote for section two. And then we have four wards in order to have seven members. Alternates. Oh, you have seven. Wow. Seven members. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So you were recruited by – so you kind of – your, your mindset or your, your, your motivating mindset was actually shaped by these two guys to a certain extent. Um, did you collaborate a lot with them, you know, as far as recruiting other people, you know, were they good people to kind of bounce ideas off of and, and, and that type of thing? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I talked yeah. to them a lot. Um, yeah. You know, I would say, I wouldn't say that I, my mindset was really shaped by them. Sure. I kind of had yeah. the mindset yeah. going in, and that's what they right. really were going after. They yeah. they yeah. saw my mindset, and they were like, "No, we want a person like this on the council." Yeah, and that's what they went after, and it was really appealing to me at the time. It was kind of the perfect time of my life to to kind of go that route, mm-hmm. and and so when I went that route and I started doing it all, there there was a lot of upheaval on the council. There was, um, you know, there was. 
this big thing going on with a with a group uh, with a local group claiming that there was some cover ups going on in the city, and there was uh, which there wasn't, by the way. And then there was a bunch of other claims that were actually that were going around about stuff that was happening that really was it's kind of strange. So it's literally, politics. it was trial by that... fire. It's amazing even how that can happen at the local level. You don't even think about that, right? I think that was kind of the same for you and or uh, Kirk, you and Matt, right? You get in there, you think you're 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 going for representation. It's going to be a, there isn't going to be a lot of dirt thrown around, but once you <laughs> once you get in there, you're like, hey, this is this is like a blood sport to a certain extent, and you you, you know, don't 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 account for it, right? Get yeah. me Roger Stone. yeah they play for keeps man i i was like that was actually one of my mentalities going into it like as we were getting we're rolling into the whole thing and i was seeing all that kind of blood sport going on like you were saying i was like i i i went back to jason i was like i was like wow dude i said this is more than four hours a week we're not being altruistic here. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. So I looked at it. I, I, yeah, I looked at, I looked at Jason and I was like, I was like, dude, we're playing for keeps. This is, this mm-hmm. is very clearly a war. We're at war. Mm-hmm. This is I'm playing for keeps now. Well, and that <laughs> desire to win, you know, that, that, uh, that's always there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it was crazy though. I mean, you know, like you said, it, blood sport it was it was shocking to me the childishness that would go on oh, inside yeah. the city council <laughs> absolutely <laughs> yeah yep. it's the editorials like you're like you mentioned in the in the in the local websites and uh you know patches and that type of thing and you're and you not going into that you have no idea and it's and it's a small you know it's a finite uh, amount of the population that actually follows and participates in that process, but it, it's it is certainly an eye opening. Right. Yeah, and you yeah. really have no idea how badly your hands are tied in a lot of situations until you get in there too. Like the city's yeah. hands are tied in so many circumstances, it's not even funny. And and not only do they tie your hands, but also they have their own bureaucracy that's happening. So. Mm-hmm the bureaucracy becomes its own entity at a point, you know, with the rules and laws and regulations help keep the rules and law laws and regulations all in place because it became its own entity. Right. It's yeah. And what I found is the city manager really has most of the power is what I've always found. Did you find that to be true? And yeah, I, yes and no, there's actually, okay. So we're a charter city. And we do have um, we do have a weak mayor system, which means that the that the city manager is strong, right? So they actually do have a lot of power. But the biggest power that you have on a city council is it's up to you what the policies of the city are. So they may be able to handle a lot of rules and laws and regulations in order to get in your way from preventing you from changing too much, but you set the policy. So as long as you can get, you know, the rest of or at least the majority of the people to agree with you, you can do like massively interesting things on the city council. But I always found that the city manager is what brings forth the policy to get approved or denied. 
is what uh, it seemed to me in a larger sense where they will work on proposals and, you know, the city manager will come up with all this stuff and it's just city council to uh, say yay or nay in a sense. And yeah, it's like being pulled around by the nose. Yeah, mm -hmm. to where, so that, that's why I say the city manager has the most power to where they bring forth the agenda. It's kind of hard for a city council to be like, well, this is what I think we should do. And, you know, city manager, you make a proposal for that. That uh, Did you ever, I mean, is that a possibility or is that? It took four years to get there, but yeah, absolutely. It was a possibility. Yeah, it was, that's... it was a complete change in mentality for the city. <laughs> so it took them, a, it took our city manager some time to get used to and, and Norris, you know, to begin with, whenever I was in there, I was like, wow. So Ann Norris is really running the city and really she's the one with all the power. And if we really want to make major change, we've got to have a changeover in our city manager. But as I got to know her, I was like, you know, actually, I kind of think she might be an ally. I think that this actually may be a really good idea because she wants what's best for the city. And we have policies that we can put in place. And by policies, I don't mean like budget and things like that. By policy, I mean, like, I'm a beekeeper. I, I keep bees. And I know that on a grand scale, it's really difficult to um, to deal with the whole thing with the neonicotinoids because there's so much controversy about it that nobody does anything about it. So on a citywide policy, we could just say, oh, yeah, we don't use that pesticide. We don't have to make a rule or a law about it. As a city, we just don't use it now. And that's a policy. So there's some really amazing changes you can make in that area. And Anne, over time, she started coming around to our point of view. And what ended up happening at the end is that she was still she still was the major person running the city. But instead of just giving us the information that she wanted us to have to make the decisions that really would keep the city running as as maybe they saw it, whether that was ever intent or not. That's definitely the way it felt to me, as though they were giving us a direction to go in. Near the end of, of my time there, suddenly it was us telling her policy and her figuring out a way to enact our policy. Well, and if you have, if you have, you know, the majority of the, of the council and you, and you have individuals who can, who are somewhat educated on their points of view and can articulate it pretty well that, you know, a city manager, like any other bureaucrat is they're in a political environment. So they're going to have to go with the prevailing wind, right? The political wind. So you, I think that's basically what you're articulating. If you can provide her with good information and she's, really has the uh, interests of the city and the people in, in general in mind, you can, you can certainly impart good substantive change, right? Oh, absolutely. You definitely yeah. can. But the thing you have to watch out for is that the city manager doesn't necessarily have to give you all the information, just sure. enough information to where you think you got all the information. That's yeah, it's politics. If you understand what I'm saying. Oh yeah, it's, yeah. It's, 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 it's totally politics. Well, so I have a question. I have a go quick ahead. question. Danny, are you on the phone still? Danny. Yes, I am. I do, you, do you have any thoughts? On, do you have any thoughts? Because you always have good things to say. It's just sometimes you don't say them. Well, I mean, the 
the downside of this is I kind of just joined in like kind of like over the halfway, so I'm not that sure. That is about true. Yes. What you guys have covered and whatnot, and I don't know what you got, uh, you know. But it's just um, a conversation. <laughs> Lack yeah, of some so, context. So, so yeah. Casey, it sounds like you're. It, I wasn't sure. I thought that you were still in the council, but I guess you're not in the council anymore. Then, I mean, like, what did, did you just left, or um, was this like a while ago? No, I lost the last election. Um, so that was as of January. I wasn't on the uh, city council anymore. It was uh, the loss was by about a hundred. I think it was 140 votes, somewhere right around in there. Oh so it was pretty close. Exactly, mine. Kirk. Ring a bell. Yeah, Kirk, you pretty close. I think I lost by 126 or 36, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so what what do you do you think kind of attributed to that loss? Was it um, kind of like not enough campaigning or Maybe is it like the views that you kind of shared as part of, as a member of a council member that, you know, people kind of got notice of it and maybe they, you know, start not liking it. Like, what do you think might have caused that? Just kind of curious. You know, those are some really excellent questions and I'm going to have to answer That's what Danny brings. And that's why I wanted to speak. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. So question number one about what do I think I attribute to my loss in regards to um, in regards to whether I didn't work hard enough or worked hard enough, just to dispel all uh, all of the kind of rumors that are out there right now. I, I worked hard. I did. I indeed worked hard. So it didn't have to do with that. At the last minute, though, and I covered this just a little while ago. At the last yeah. minute, we had a mailer that went out from one of the Democrats. Uh, in a higher office who um, who's a little popular in this particular area and uh, in the mailer it said hey by the way please vote for this other guy it didn't say that in that words but you know when Democrats tend to have groupthink as we all know <laughs> so <laughs> so you know you put out a mailer that says oh hey I'm I'm big D and uh, this little guy over here who I know it's a nonpartisan race, but, you know, he's a little D. Uh, vote for him just because he, he's a D. And that, I think, is what ended up losing me the battle because it was so close. And it was literally the last minute. It was the day before or maybe three days before at the most where that mailer went out. So it was kind of a it was kind of a big deal. Um, the other question that you had that I heard in there was about my viewpoints and how people were viewing my viewpoints. That's an excellent question, and reason why I say that is, I was shocked. I thought everybody would hate my viewpoints. It turned out most of the people in the city loved my viewpoints. They actually really appreciated my viewpoints once they actually got to talk to me. And I think that's huge. That's very encouraging, it is. right? Yeah. Yeah, it was really massive. And whenever I was talking to people and I started getting to know people and everything else, they would ask me. This is, this is the foot-in-the-door question, right? Are you a Democrat or are you a Republican? My answer every single time was, you know, this is a nonpartisan race. You know, I and and I would say I I wouldn't consider myself to be uh, to be Republican or Democrat in this local race because I don't think it's appropriate here. I don't want a D or an R dictating what our local politics are. Do you? 
And every single time they would say no. The I didn't irony. get a one time that I get anybody to say yes. The irony there is that the big government Democrats were the ones that ultimately expunged you from office, though. <laughs> yep. I would have to mm-hmm. say that that's, that is likely true. Yeah. Whether or not. Yeah, so you went up against the machine. Don't know. The machine <laughs> is like, Casey, we don't want your kind around here anymore. We're going to use whatever strategy that we can induce to get you out. And they were successful, right? They were successful in my case. Um, yep. Do I think I could have worked harder? Absolutely. Well, stuff happens. Do happened, I think I could have used? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Life exactly. happens. Yeah. Do I, do I think that there's other things I could have done? Probably. But with the tools that I had and with the evidence of the, what the, was happening in the race at the time, yeah. I thought I was doing what was needed because the, the other candidate was actually fairly quiet overall. If he didn't have the Democrats, like Keith Ellison, for example, um, I think it was Keith Ellison. Yeah. Uh, hopefully that's right because I just put his name on there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he, he, uh, I, his phone banking also phone banked for uh, oh, the opposition. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. It's a huge deal. Yeah. yeah. And then also that mailer going out. Um, that was uh, OPAT. Mm-hmm. So you suddenly get that mailer that's going out there and boom. Well, you attracted you're... big gun attention for whatever reason right there. I mean, that to me indicates that there is a pretty big threat that I mean, obviously, like you're talking about, you had personal things that were kind of keeping you probably if you would have been able to get your, you know, if life wouldn't have happened, you would have been pretty competitive. But there was the government apparatus that stepped in and said, hey, this guy's a threat. We're going to we're going to do what we can to get him out. Right. That's what it felt like. I was a little shocked. That's what it looked like to me. Yeah. I mean, it, there was that national that national um, thing inside the Star Tribune and yep. a couple of other national newspapers that happened where they were talking about libertarians take over in Crystal. Yeah, well, for and, sure. I yeah, mean, if you're, the, clear, if you're right? the number one, if you have the most success out of out of anyone in the country, and you're spearheading an effort to continue to keep that in place. I mean, and I didn't really have that context before, but when you start getting Keith Ellison and you know others in there, they're saying, "Hey, we're gonna." fight to get this guy out it certainly i mean in 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 the political circles you're, you're going to be noticed anyways and to me it appears that you were and i mean there's a it's not a big statement but to me it is a statement that they're going to push back and they and they did i mean it's pretty hard pushing back you know, keith ellison is that in the fifth district or is crystal in the fifth cd5 yep okay so it's his district but yeah yeah, so I, that's exactly it. It it was kind of like it, it was it was a shocker how much national yeah. attention we were getting. Well, you know, it, it weakens Chris. You know, I mean, it weakens his you know platform as well too, though, to have in his district a town called Libertarian. So that's that's where I could see him easily wanting to fight back, not just because Libertarian growing in a town, but for it. Uh, Weaken his uh, stronghold of uh, a solid Democrat, you know, section of the state. Was that in the last week, Casey, that he became involved, or was it a little bit sooner than that? 
Uh, it was a little bit or more early than that. Whenever I okay. it got leaked to me that they were doing the uh, the phone banking, I I I had some inside people where I was getting information from uh, from what was happening in a few mm-hmm. campaigns around the around the area. Not in not in the local campaigns. I don't like playing um, dirty. So I stayed out of that, but I like keeping my ear to the ground and I'm a strategist. So yep. uh, a lot of it for me was uh, making sure I knew everything else that was going on. And uh, that that ended up getting back to me that they were gunning for me. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. That is very interesting. Uh, but and, and well, it I, also I suppose... goes down to who counts the votes, too. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose, yeah, it comes down to who counts Here the votes. Do I think, do I think that any voter fraud could happen? You know, or or I should say, did happen here in Crystal? Absolutely not. I don't. I don't think so. I I, I wouldn't doubt if it happened on a national scale on a very regular basis, but on a or local on a Kirk scale, Pettis no. basis. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just remember it was. Uh, did you do a recount being that close? Were you under five percent or point five percent? No, no, it, um, there was enough voters that it made it, um, you know, enough votes different that it actually made it a little bit over that. But, uh, I think it was like five, just at 5%. But, um, but yeah, I, I didn't really see a need to recount it at that point. Anyhow, um, I was quite happy with the way that the rest of the races went. I had accomplished all of my goals here inside the city. Uh, you know, my first and foremost goal was to basically get the rest of the the terrible council that we had at the time turned over because, you know, it was it was clear to me that there was just childish games that were just happening and I didn't like it. And there was a lot of name calling tactics that were utilized. Oh my God, like in the middle of a meeting, we'd be talking about streets and um, how fire respawns in certain areas and whether we should keep as many, you know, fire stations as possible. And then they would go into this big tirade on, oh, uh, the mayor is a volunteer firefighter and, um, and therefore he should recuse himself from this vote. It's like, what are, are you? Are you seriously kidding me now? And then they would, and then they would evolve back into campaign time. Now it would evolve all the way back to the former campaign time, whenever he got elected, and be like, "Oh yeah, you argued with my, or you said something bad about my wife." Get that? So there's this guy. He's a city council member who was the husband of the mayor while they were serving together arguing that there was foul play because something negative was said about his wife. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about, talk about some like conflict of interest there. Right. Uh, And and it comes down to, you know, busybodies thinking that they need to do things just because they're there and they need to be the overlords to make things better. You know, when there's no reason to, Absolutely. I read into that one a lot. That was like basically half the argument about backyard chickens that ended up making That's the a newspaper topic point. near and dear to Kirk's heart. Right. Yes. There. The <laughs> Chaness and outlaws chickens. That was, I wanted that to be my main platform, but I, I was told <laughs> not to. <laughs> do it. Do it, dude. Uh, two, people, 
two people here in Crystal won on that. Two nice. people. And yeah, think, one of I them... Mean... Yeah, I was going to say one of them actually wasn't even that great of a candidate whenever she was running. <laughs> reason why she won is she was like, oh, I'm Green Party and I'm pro-chicken. And... Boom. She won. W. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. That's uh, that's good stuff. And, yeah. and this is what happens when Danny asks a good question, which is, <laughs> which is good. Well, and, here here's what I would like to ask too: is what since I kind of feel like Obama had some instru instrumentation in us becoming active. I don't know. I know that was mainly me, and I wasn't. I was always told I was a libertarian, but I never knew. Never had looked him up or anything. I was always pretty much a Republican all my life. And getting active is what brought me into Ron Paul's stratosphere and, you know, down the Liberty mantra, which I am forever grateful. But uh, my thought process is what is the blowback going to be from Trump coming up in the next election? What do you think, Casey? Where do you think that there's going to be a strong Democrat push all the more and all of a sudden city councils all over the country are going to be heavily swung into uh, more of a status mentality? It's the one thing that would make me think that, yeah, we need to stay active in the local politics scene. It's because of the blowback from Trump. Well, I'll explain it like this. Democrats or Republicans, they're used to groupthink. They know how to have the groupthink. Republicans Absolutely. don't necessarily fall into it in the same way that Democrats do, but in the end, they know they have to work <clears throat> together. Libertarians and individuals and all the other third parties, for that matter, we're, we're individual thinkers. We think for ourselves. We don't <clears throat> think that we need somebody else to tell us how to think, and therefore we don't group together. We're going to fail every single time reason why is because while we do see the need to band together all of us will constantly be like oh yeah i'm more liberty than you are and things like that so i mean it's so it's, we it's seen a that ridiculous before. argument that ends up happening yeah. but it's natural because we're not group thinkers democrats and republicans are group thinkers yeah. you know there's this uh there's this type of uh thing that's out there i'm sure you've heard of the myers-briggs absolutely yeah so Kersey Bates is actually more of my my style of it's it's kind of it's the same temperament theory just modified. Kersey Bates ended up uh you know was was you know Kersey was great friends with uh, Myers early on in uh in Kersey's uh, career in psychology. He met him whenever he was uh, flying Air Force on an Air Force carrier. So he ended up um, <clears throat> ended up developing his own little sideline of it. And what he talks about is he talks about how SJs are about 40% 40, 40 of the population. SJs are all about groupthink. They're all about belonging, security, wanting to tell everybody else how to live their lives. I have a very good so, idea as to what your, your person, what, 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 what is your, what's your, uh, what's your personality type? INTP. INTP, okay. Yep. Yep, I'm an INTP. So that means I'm all about logic and theory and i actually don't like intps are really funny because they really don't care about application to them it's all about the fun of theorizing 
So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. And yeah, it's it's quite fascinating though because if you look at the if you really look at it, SPs are about 45% of the population, mm-hmm. right? And and then NTs and NFs make up the other portion of the population. NFs are all about individualism and growing and becoming, I'm even though that they're INFJ. the ones who end up making hippies yeah. and you know communism and all that kind of stuff usually comes from nf mentality but it's all the voluntary type of you know crazy and it's coming from the nfs big time a big time idealism coming from them that makes up the ma- vast majority of our civilization you know that's that's 60 percent of our population but this 40% of the population, they love their groupthink. So they group together, whereas we're not. So the blowback from Trump, I think, is going to go exactly like this. Democrats are going to end up taking it again. Everybody's going to go, oh, yeah, let's move back to the Democrats. Oh, yeah, let's move back this way. Until we, the rest of the population who likes to think for ourselves, actually likes our freedom, decide that we don't give a crap about the groupthink anymore. We're going to stop falling into your trap. And we're going to band together to protect one another's freedoms. We don't care if we agree on everything. We're protecting one another's freedoms. We're going to lose every single time. I agree wholeheartedly. I think that's a real, that's a pretty good breakdown. What do you think, Lydia? She's got nothing to say. Lydia's here? (laughs) Hey, Lydia. She may not want to say anything. She might be staying silent. Sorry, I, I had closed the thing. Can you hear me? Can hear you. Yes, yeah. you can. You can? Hi, okay. Lee. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Sorry to hop. I don't know how long into this uh, this podcast we are at this point. but well, I We started just been... two minutes ago. Oh, so we're, fantastic. We're Perfect. Well over <laughs> the hour mark right now. but that's No, I just yet. mainly wanted to uh, hold Eric accountable. I was pretty sure you were an INTJ last I had talked to you about your Myers-Briggs personality. It's mutable. Yeah. I'm an E. I I fluctuate between ENFP and ENTP myself, so. Yeah. That's, that doesn't really surprise me. Yeah. (laughs) You know, NFs are the most misdiagnosed of like, of, of the entire thing because. Yeah. I've been told that too. Yep. Yep. Yeah, they really have this idea that, you know, NFs are basically, they fall into whatever they feel like at the moment. So yeah. they'll flutter about yeah, throughout everything. Yeah. And so it doesn't and surprise it, me. Yeah, yeah you, there's kind of misconceptions. You're extroverted, introverted, feeler, you know, thinker, et cetera. So it, it's very, very mutable. That's kind of right. what, I, what I tend to be. So I right. think I'm Gnostic. <laughs> <laughs> you're something Kirk you're you might be in the 17th category I have no idea so sorry I'm, I'm since I'm a little late joining what's just a general synopsis what's the what's the topic for the podcast this evening or what's the, yeah, the general yeah, conversation so we're talking, so yeah we're talking so Casey's honored and he uh, kind of had some good luck orchestrating a, a bit of a takeover and a libertarian small l takeover that they Chris Crystal City Council, and we we're talking about some of experience, some of his experiences and tactics, and and that type of oh, thing. Cool. And, yeah. Cool. Nice. Yeah. It nice. was a fun conversation. 
Yeah. <laughs> please, uh, to... please bring some of those tactics to Flint, Michigan. We would certainly appreciate that. You're in Flint you know, now? Yeah, yep. There, there actually is a, there, there is this strong desire that I and other people who are inside this area who've, who've been a part of this to mm-hmm. export, to export what it is that we've done, to get yeah. it to other people, to teach them how to duplicate it in other areas. And the, the great thing about it is that the mm-hmm. way that we've done it is just based on some very basic principles that you could easily learn in the art of war. It's just the way that we implemented it is really quite, it, it, it just had a massive effect on such a large scale that everything came together at the right time. Well, and you making it to state convention, that really, sh- you know, by going that far, you really see the ins and outs of the political process. Yeah. And I, I wish I would have sat down and wrote a little memoir book or something about getting people elected. But it's like, yeah, it's not you follow some basic, you know, protocols and you're going to have a great chance. You know, there's no doubt you, you can have a great chance of any level by setting the groundwork early enough and and making a run at it. Yeah, and I think Casey, you need to write a book. You sound like you guys are on top of that. You've gone another distance for years, <laughs> and been very instrumental and crystal. And yeah, I think you guys, uh, a little, a little, a uh, little blog or book would be instrumental in helping the liberty movement. Well, here's the little bit of Bernaysian intelligence that I have learned through through you know that wonderful person who gave us the modern state of affairs in the world that we have (laughs) and for those of you who don't know what i'm talking about edward bernays look him up uh so yeah father of spin one of the things he talked about was that the only way to fight propaganda is worth more propaganda and really in its base form propaganda is education but here's the problem if you give all your battle tactics to your enemy they have an advantage I'd rather exactly. not book on it. That is the thing. That that was the quandary that I've always uh, pondered because you know that's out there, and you know, and it's probably a closely guarded secret because of the grassroots uprising that can always happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the 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 big thing is to identify good individuals who are willing to go the distance and coach them up, right? And that's basically what you're what you're saying, Casey. You don't need to tip your hand or anything along those lines, but once you've once once you're kind of sure they're on the you know kind of on the same quote unquote team go forward yeah. conquer right and yeah. there's no yeah. money in liberty that's the problem there there's money in your personal growth but yeah the the dirty tactics of crony capitalism and what really the political parties are there for is is a money ciphering scheme that uh, feeds upon itself. And so when you learn these talents, you take it to the next level to make a living off of it. And well, I've, I've got to say that, you know, one of the things that I have run across is that if you're not willing to play that game, there really isn't any money in it. So yep. <laughs> if you're exactly. not willing to play that game, there isn't any money. Nope. In fact, you're losing money. 
Yeah, like exactly. in the last in the last four year, I I kind of had to put my career a little bit on hold. Ended up uh, ended up letting a few promotions go by, and uh, at the end of it, once I finally was ready to take that leap, and I thought that you know my time on the city council was was waning, right? And I took that promotion. I took it at the wrong time, instead of the right time, and ended up uh, having a more of an economic mess than than. Uh, it helping so yeah it's um it, it it's a sacrifice you have to be willing to make that sacrifice yeah that's the unfortunate uh truth about it and that's why i there's the part of you know how you guys talked about that we're all individuals and that we you know we're fighting against a group tank that can just that the propaganda spin that can get out there that just groups people together and uh, a voting mass essentially. But there is, uh, there's a whole economy fighting it at the same time. And where people need people in places of power to uh, grant them authority of what they do. That's why it's important for us to run on the city council, though. Money doesn't matter whenever you're talking about your neighbor. And you make the you impact the most change, right? The most substantive change at the local level, too. It's the least at the local level. I mean, I wouldn't be able to, like, change the outcome of, say, gay marriage laws or sure. the, or any or legalization of cannabis unless of course i was the mayor of like seattle washington right where that's what they actually did but <laughs> but you know on a on a city a city here in minnesota there actually is a couple of lockdowns in regards to that because i would have actually loved to have said oh yeah we don't prosecute cannabis crimes here in in crystal and just directed that to our police department but here's the reality of that situation. In Minnesota, there is a law that actually requires the local police force to, in, to enforce and enact all laws that are at the state level and the federal level. They're not allowed to, you're not allowed to make any changes on the city level that contradicts any of that. Yeah, it's an unfortunate uh, policy of the state. It is. Is that variable among among states? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Colorado, for example, Colorado is a perfect example of uh, where it's different. Colorado actually had a revolution at one point where um, they actually rose up and forced them to put inside the constitution that the state can't override city rules. That's pretty good. So like there that. are specific examples of that that you, I'm not too aware of that that you, that you can kind of so there are specific city ordinances or instruction to law enforcement where that there's something that's illegal at this state or federal level. Uh, it's not necessarily enforced at the municipal or city level. Yeah. So take what I was talking about, about cannabis, for example, right in Seattle, Washington, it's one of the first places where it was kind of legal there because what they decided in Seattle is, yeah, we're not going to prosecute here. Mm -hmm. It just decriminalized it. They basically make it illegal. Right. And they actually prevented the DEA from coming and doing the same thing. So they act, they actively prevented them from coming in. And that's the bigger step in my opinion. Without, yeah. without stopping the higher authorities 
or if you call them that, really they're not higher authority. Really, they have the authority. So it's uh, oxymoron what I just said. But uh, in uh, public's perception, you know, the federal government is the highest authority, which is not true. Is so. Yeah, it's claiming your rights exactly. It's 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 the city claiming their rights. That's saying, hey, get the hell out. You know, you, you that's no exactly. Here. Yeah, and in Minnesota, unfortunately, the city level can't do that to the state. However, the county has a little more power. The commissioners and the sheriff, that's basically the local, that's that's the closest protector of your constitutional rights right there. If you can get the commissioner seats and you can get the sheriff, you can make a little fiefdom of liberty inside your area. Yep. DEA can't even come in to the area without having the sheriff sign off on it. All raids must have the sheriff sign off on it. And that would even go for ICE as well, for the hysteria of uh, uh, so-called illegal immigrants. Yeah. I love the way you say so-called illegal immigrants. That's actually <laughs> That's actually really cool. Coming from Southern California, I was used to people coming over the border all the time. And I've got to say, I wasn't actually afraid of all the ones coming over the border. All the problem makers were the people who actually already lived there. (laughs) (laughs) Just really the truth. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you did have, obviously, you did have, like, cartels and stuff like that coming over. But if it was, like, one in a thousand, really... What are you really talking about here? You get well, one criminal just put in a thousand? Your, put yourself in someone's <laughs> shoes that's willing to move to another country, or you know, and especially just to walk across the border or smuggle yourself in. That's uh, that kind of personality. I'm not too afraid of. Yeah, I think right. they're a you know risk taker out there to go make a better life for themselves. That's exactly it. Yeah, I, I've known a lot of illegals and a lot of uh, a lot of people of Hispanic origins in my life. Um, in fact, my my Oma, uh, it's my grandmother on my mom's side. She um, she was married to a Colombian for years, so <laughs> I'm very familiar with the with a lot of you know south of the border mentalities that are going on there. And really, the vast majority of them are hard workers. You know, down in Mexico, it's funny. They want to make money. They can, like, weave hats and go sell them on the beach if they want to. If we were to do that here, not only do we get slapped with the fine, we risk being handcuffed and thrown in a a little cell. (laughs) (laughs) And and yet we laugh at them. And we're like, oh, they're so oppressed there. Yeah. (laughs) It's come home roost, people. We'll open your eyes. And I would say the war on drugs is the main cause of all the violence out there. So, another topics for another day, that's for sure. We're running. Yeah. Like I said, we could probably fill two or three hours, and I don't know. Right now, we're uh, <laughs> we're at about an hour and twenty minutes. So, um, you guys want to keep going, or should we look to wrap things up? What's the collection? We better wrap here? things up because it's going to only continue and continue and continue. <laughs> Pretty much it. Right. We are you guys are awesome to talk to. 
Yeah, that's what I throw out to you, Casey. It's the the problem isn't length usually. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say, Kirk, Kirk, uh, moving to uh, wrap things up is unprecedented. Unprecedented, at least in my experience in this podcast. So I just, it is. Just like to throw it's that out there. Well, I think it's the Eric first. said he wanted to be done at nine thirty, so I'm trying to. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I'm at 11 Eastern time, so you all are—you uh, still have an hour to go to keep up. So. Yeah. Yeah. So. And there's right. always the after podcast party. That's, there that's always true. inevitably. Which, which, which will. I just—I just, I just wanted to soon. throw it out there that that Kirk was uh, initiating the the closing of the podcast because in in my fairly distant experience that was kind of unprecedented and <laughs> thought that should be should be recognized it is it the is first time the video. <laughs> you should almost it win a award for that yeah <laughs> all right so with that we'll we'll wrap up liberty southwest podcast number 59 thanks for everyone coming on um, casey kirk the later arrivals, Danny and Lydia. And with that, we'll wrap it up. Thanks, yeah, Casey. Thanks for having me. Adios, mofo. Peace out. All right. <laughs>